Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, today's episode is a little different from a typical LED episode in that generally I would invite someone from a different profession and we would have a discussion to try and understand that person's job in detail. But on today's episode, our guest is Zach Pinnell and Zach has already come on the podcast. He was here in episode number 48 to talk about dropshipping and it's a great episode. So if you're interested in learning more about dropshipping and how to set up your own dropshipping business, definitely check that one out. But on today's episode, Zach is going to be talking about how you can be more strategic about answering questions on Quora in order to get more views on your answers on Quora. And I think this is a very, very interesting and relevant topic. So first of all, for any of our listeners who are not familiar with Quora, Quora is a Q&A website. You can check it out on Quora.com. That's Q-U-A-R-A.com. And it's different from a lot of the other Q&A websites such as Yahoo Answers in that the answers tend to be much more high quality generally. And you have a lot of experts and well-known people answering questions on Quora. So as an example, you can find Jimmy Wales, who's the founder of Wikipedia, answering questions on Quora. So I really like the website. I spent a lot of time there. And that's actually how I found Zach. He's written a number of answers on Quora in the dropshipping topic. And his answers have now received over half a million views. And he's used that to drive a lot of traffic to his website and build a brand for himself in dropshipping. And that's exactly why I think that this topic is very relevant for this audience because if you're, let's say, someone who's looking to switch careers or maybe you're trying to understand certain jobs in detail, And say if you're interested in certain topics such as, let's say, supply chain or e-commerce, you can now use the online tools that are available to you such as Quora or Twitter or maybe setting up your own blog and really use that to showcase your interest and passion and expertise in these topics. I've known a lot of people who've had opportunities open up for them because someone read something on their blog or read a very well-written answer by them on Quora. And in today's times, it is very, very common that when you apply for a job, a recruiter will Google you. And if you have a good, strong online presence, it can really help boost your case. So again, I think this is a very, very interesting and relevant topic. And you'll find Zach shares a lot of very helpful, actionable advice. So without further ado, let's welcome Zach. Hey, Zach. Hi. Hey, Sonali. Hi. Hey, happy to be back. Yeah, I know. Thank you for coming once again. No problem. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I I really, we will talk about Quora, but I really want to call out just how good you are at identifying opportunities. So to give listeners uh, some background on this, I reached out to you because I found you on Quora. I know that you have many answers on Quora. And they're not only very well written, they have a lot of views on them. So more than half a million views, some of them published on Inc. Magazine. And so I reached out to you because I wanted tips in terms of how I can, you know, learn from you. And because this can help me with my podcast, because there are a lot of questions that people ask about various careers. And I think that's a good, the podcast is a good way to answer those questions and help out those people. And also, it's a good way to get the word out about the podcast. And you're like, hey, Sonali, why don't we record? 
this conversation. I didn't even I didn't even think about it. And when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense because it's helpful for other people. So I think you're yeah, good at I that. I think it's a perfect way for you to get uh, exposure for your podcast, especially since it is just about. I mean, it's it is free. There's there's other things you can do that cost money that you can uh, kind of boost things with. But it's a great way for you to promote your podcast. Um, it wouldn't really make sense to pay for ads for a podcast, considering how it's monetized. Um, but this is a great alternative. Yeah, yeah. So I am all ears to learn from you. So tell me, where do you want to start? Because like, because otherwise, my only question is, what do I have to think about to get more views on ans- on my answers on Quora? Sure, sure. So I'm a little frustrated right now. I want to I want to point out, you know, you always say that I have 500,000 views here. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm supposed to have like 2 million. And this is, you know, I, I haven't been on QR as much as I usually am. And now I'm wondering what happened. Uh, I see in my notifications, somebody collapsed a bunch of my answers to get required attribution or something like that. And um, I guess uh, that's something we're going to talk about today. I'm kind of curious if uh, if someone kind of flagged my post to get them taken down. Uh, so that they could compete for the the question, but I'm not sure here. Um, but there's a lot of interesting things that go into the Cura algorithm and how you get um, a lot of views and a lot of exposure on your answers. And ultimately, it comes down to great content, great writing, and putting out things that resonate well with your audience. But um, in the dropshipping episode, we talked a lot about different ways that you could advertise a product for free. And I said that I... I kind of encouraged people to go to platforms so they knew how to work the algorithm where they knew kind of what was rewarded and what wasn't. So that way you could get a lot of exposure um, for very little effort. And so that's what we're going to be doing today with Kiora. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. So tell me, how do you want to break it down? Because you're the expert here. Like, so when you see a question on Quora that you think you can answer, what is your thought process to make sure that you're answering the question well when you're also optimizing for views? Sure, sure. So the first thing that I would encourage you to look at when you are considering how to approach a question or what questions to approach, um, the interesting thing here is the question that you choose to answer has a lot, like probably 10 to 20 times more impact on the kind of exposure you're going to get than the actual quality or the actual content um, of the answers. So um, you've probably heard a lot that articles and you know, whether it be in a newspaper or online, the the tagline and the headline are kind of what get the views. I mean, if you if you're looking at an article on Facebook and you see the headline, the headline is what attracts the attention. And a lot of times people actually share those articles without actually even reading the article at all. Hmm. They'll share it because the headline was interesting to them and it <laughs> caught their eye. And so in the case of Cura, the headline is the question and the tagline can sometimes be the uh, the little bit that people write next to their name. And so the other thing to kind of consider in addition to the headline is the kind of what's above what I call the fold. And so if you know anything about web development or um, you know how to make a website that markets something well, you you know that the most valuable resell, uh, real estate on a page is what's above the fold. And when we say above the fold, we mean below uh, the bottom of someone's screen when they're looking at the homepage or looking at the page they're on, what's below that is not as relevant as what's above it, what people see without scrolling down the page at all. Mm-hmm. And so when I say the fold on a question, I kind of mean what do people see before they click the more button? And so what's in that headline and what's 
uh, there before they click the more button is really, really important. It's, you have to be able to get people's attention there if you want to get anything out of the answer at all. Okay, so I, I'm going to pause you right there. So let me understand this much first. So you said there are three, basically three important things. Or actually, even before we get into this, it's not just about your answer to your question, but also which question you choose to answer. And so as far as the question is concerned, there's the headline, there's the tagline, and then what you're calling above the fold. So the headline is basically the question itself. And here are you, you're basically looking for like what kind of questions will attract more viewers? So I'm trying to think of the term here. There's there's sort of an emotional score and I'm there's websites. If you look, if you search Google for a, a headline analyzer, you'll get a lot of different tools that will tell you how sort of emotionally engaging a headline is and they, there's a science behind it like what sort of words need to be in the headline um a certain number of like action words and a certain number of power words they say and yada 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 and numbers are also good very very powerful which is why you see a lot of listicle articles and so uh, um those kind of things kind of give you an idea of how well a question might do but at the same time that question might not perform well if it is not under the right categories what i found is the most important part is really the categories it's asked under and so if a question is put under the big have you ever asked a question on cura i'm sorry i'll ask you that first no no i understand this yeah and i hopefully listeners i don't i don't think we need to get into structure of cura but you're right like every time you post a question on cura you have to define you have to select i think three categories that the question can yep. be in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important because the, the topics themselves have a, a certain number of followers. And if you ask your question under the bigger topics, mm-hmm. uh, whether they are relevant or not, mm-hmm. uh, the bigger topics get the question more views. And if the question gets a lot of views, your answer has a good chance of getting a lot of views as well. This is very interesting. Okay. So you're not only looking at sort of, so there's the headline, the tagline, the, the, okay, I want to come back to the headline. So you said it has to be emotionally engaging and you there are tools available online which you can use to analyze the emotional quotient, let's say, of the headline. So do you actually do that? Do you like take the question and put it in a tool and get the score? I do not. I can kind of, after you've played, a lo- played along with the, uh, played around with the headline analyzer a lot, and there's one on CoSchedule, which is really good, CoSchedule.com. Okay. Um, after you played around with it a lot, you kind of get a sense for what's going to perform well, if that makes sense. And so for someone who's just starting out on QR and trying to make it work for them, it might make sense to plug the questions into QR, but I've kind of got a hang of it, I guess. Yeah, and I can kind okay. of know intuitively sense. what's going to perform. <laughs> You've learned to recognize the patterns, but but that that's a great tip. So the website is CoSchedule.com? Yes. Okay. So then you check out the categories. You want categories which have a lot of followers. But don't you think that the number of followers on a question... So in Quora, if you're interested in a question and you want to be notified every time someone writes an answer for a question, let's say, you can follow that question. So do you think the number of followers is a good indicator of how popular that question is? Yeah, so that's an interesting point. So when I think of the amount of followers and the topics that uh, have been applied to the question, I think... Okay, that's kind of the potential market for the question. How will I think it will perform within that market? How much of that audience it will actually reach? I think, okay, how emotionally engaging and interesting is the question itself? And if that is, if the question is emotionally engaging and it is interesting, then you're going to see a, a high number of followers usually. 
I see. But you know what? I I, I do want to go into that a little bit because what I have noticed a lot of times, and I'm I'm really bad at answering questions on Quora, maybe because I just want, don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But I have found that sometimes even if the number of followers is like very small, let's say like 20, even then sometimes suddenly you get a lot of views. So how does that happen? Yeah, I, c- I can't say for sure. Um, that is... But I, my guess is that when you saw the question, it had those views. Um, maybe the question had been asked very, very recently. And so okay. um, when the question was asked is important. So if I see that the question was only asked 10 hours ago and it already has a thousand views, you can kind of extrapolate that out and expect that the question has a potential or an answer might have a potential of 2,500 uh, views a day. Somewhere right, around there. Right, right. So the more recent the question is, so you want to tie the recency with the number of views or the number of followers to expect to sort of figure out how much potential it has in terms of number of viewers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think if a question is asked under the right topics, I expect that it will get a lot of exposure mm. in the beginning. Mm. A lot of people will view it, but if it doesn't have a good number of followers to that question relative to the, to the number of views, I do think Cure's algorithm does kind of penalize it. Oh, and so if you kind of look at those metrics and you see it's been asked two days ago, it already has 10,000 views. Um, it's got a solid number of followers. You can expect that that will continue to be the case. And the people are very anxious to hear answers to this question. Oh, interesting. But then, so this is just so cool. By the way, Zach, I had no idea that you would look at so many things. This is very helpful. So a uh, couple of follow-up questions. How would you find the recently asked questions? The recently asked questions. I do not know a great way to find the recently asked questions that are really picking up steam. And I kind of searched around for maybe there was some third party application like a, a Google Chrome extension for QR for that. And there's not one yet. And I don't I don't personally know how to make it. But uh, typically, I see a lot of questions like that in my feed. Not only are people asking me to answer relevant questions on QR, and a lot of times I see ones that uh, have been asked of me and they are picking up a lot of steam, but I also see them in my feed just because of the things that I read and I follow. I see. I see. Okay. So right now it's more of a, you you have to sort of hunt around for them or they'll just show up in your feed if you've been sort of active in those topics or you're yeah, following those you, topics. Yeah. So if you go over to answer requests, you'll see questions people might've asked of you if you've yeah. already been answering a lot of questions yeah. in that yeah. subject. And then you'll also see questions that are relevant to those other questions. Got it, got it. And then I think the other interesting thing over here is that a lot of times, right, let's say there's a question which is pretty popular, uh, but you would find that sometimes there are already, let's say, 10 answers to that question and pretty good answers. So does that make a difference at all? Like, at you know, how populated, let's say, the answer space is already? I think it does, and I don't know the exact science between how how the answers kind of compete. So, you know, if you if you click on a question, it does have them in order, like in a specific yeah. order. Like if I was at, if I were to a- access a question and you were to access the same question from your account, we would probably see the answers in the same order. I would imagine. Yeah. And I'm not sure how QR decides what to throw up at the top because the one at the top does not always necessarily have the most views. That's so true. that tells me it, it was probably, and it's not always written the, it's not always the oldest answer. Yeah. And so I think they tend to reward answers that get upvoted, probably most of all answers that are shared amongst the internet because that would kind of work in their favor. You know, if they're trying to grow the QR platform and this is an answer that yeah. people tend to share with other friends yeah. uh, who might not know about QR, it would make sense to reward that answer. And then the other thing would be comments and 
um, how much your name weights in that category or in those categories. Right. The answer right. was I the would question agree with was you. asked in. Yeah, I, I I do agree with you because I have had one answer. It was some question around you know what is it like to work in co- some company, and I and I'd link to one of my podcast episodes, and it was a very bad answer in that I just wrote like two sentences and then shared the link. But <laughs> I, I saw I saw the 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 view count go up within just a few hours and then over the next few days it went to 10,000 views and I think and it I didn't I mean I got some upvotes but not a lot and I think it was because it was getting shared I could see that because the the view count on my episode was also going up so clearly it had been shared somewhere yeah well that could have been that it was shared or maybe it was rewarded by the algorithm uh, for whatever reason yeah so a lot of times I like especially in the, the niche that I kind of write in, the questions that I answer, there are a lot of different questions that are super, super similar. Mm-hmm. And so I will add them all to my answer later because a lot. Of, I spend a ton of time on Cura just reading other people's answers and not writing. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll save them to answer later. And then, you know, when I have five or ten in my answer later that are very, very similar um, and I have something that I want to write that would answer those questions, I'll write it and then I will post it to each of them. And maybe I don't do that all at once because my big thing when I'm writing is I want to look at something with fresh eyes and try to improve it. And um, I do that over many, many days. And so I might answer the first one, the one that I think is going to perform the best. And then I will take that answer, copy and paste it to another one and fix it up, try to make it even better, then do the same for another question. And then um, after maybe two or three weeks, you're going to see which one's actually performing, which one's turned out to be duds because uh, we're only speculating on what's going to perform really well here and they're, you're not always going to win. Um, but sometimes you do and so you can, you know, you can delete the redundancies. Right, 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 right. No, this is very good. Uh, and we will get into writing, you know, how do you actually write a good answer? Because clearly you seem to be spending a lot of time in just crafting your answers. And I've seen your answers. They're really very detailed. So you are spending time on that. But just... <laughs> Going to the question first, so um, we discussed a whole bunch of things you mentioned. Just going back to the tagline. So tagline, are you talking about the description or or what is the tagline? The taglines aren't really taglines in, your, in the traditional sense. They are just those bylines that people put next to their name. Like you saw mine was been selling since okay. um, I learned to read and write. And so that's just something I put there to kind of... Um, get a little bit more right. attention. I don't put a lot of thought into it, but um, I do think that people do read them and it does kind of um, play into someone's perception of your answer. Um, That's true. So don't completely blow it off because it is right below the headline and the headline is the most important part of the article when it comes to whether or not someone's actually going to take the time to read it. I see, I see. So you, so you're in the context of the question, you would look at the tagline of the person who asked the question. Yeah, I wouldn't weight it too heavily. I would say of the three things that you kind of see there, hmm. um, when you're looking at uh, a question and, and an answer in your feed and just like the shortened version of the answer, the, the most important thing is the headline to start. And then the first few lines that it will show as a preview yeah. will be the second most important thing. Yeah. And then, of course, the tagline also plays into it. Gotcha. But gotcha. kind of comes in third. Right, right, right. Okay. All right, so this is super helpful. So I think, so you've shared a whole bunch of things to identify what questions you might want to answer, consider answering. So now let's come to the answers. How would you go about writing a good answer? Okay, so this is something that I've kind of crafted over time and I am certainly improving as I go. Um, 
I remember the first time that I actually decided to contribute to Cura and actually write something uh, with my name on it. It was a super, super, like something um, long-winded and re- like really put a lot of effort into it. It made me really, really anxious to kind of put myself out there. And I don't know if that's the same for everyone else, but I remember I was kind of getting a rush when I actually posted it and people were reading it and then they started commenting. Um, and so I've kind of got this thing down to a science here. Um you know, we've talked about those, the kind of the preview for the answer, the first few lines. That's where you're going to want to get, um, you're, you're, you got to find a way to capture the audience's attention. And so when I, you know, I come on to QR to kind of market my content. And so I'm thinking attention, interest, desire, action. But these answers are really going to only get into the attention and interest aspect. And so you're going to be wanting to capture the attention in that first few lines, kind of um, nurture it. In the next few paragraphs, and then get into cultivating the interest uh, from someone, and that's going to be true for most things that you're writing, especially if you're marketing your content, like your podcast, mm-hmm. or if you're marketing a product. Um, so let let's let's talk about this with the help of an example, right? So let's say we take the example of my podcast, and let's say that we, you know, I want to promote your episode on dropshipping. How would you the 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 framework that you described, right? Like the first few lines have to capture the attention of the audience. Then you want to nurture the interest, and then you want to cultivate it. Can you apply that to your episode on Cora? Sure. So um, you could kind of take a look at the way that I answer questions, and it would be a very similar thing. And you're welcome to kind of answer, use it the same in your answers mm-hmm. as well. But I. I often assure people a lot of times the questions I ask are, can you make $10,000 a month or can you make such and such money in such and such time or can you make it at such and such age? And I always just assure people I think it's very, very possible. And I'll talk about how when I was just 12, 12 years old, I was doing pretty well at this sort of stuff and I was certainly not losing money. I was making money and then over time um, – I learned and I, I don't oversell it as, oh my gosh, this is so easy. You got to do it today. It's, it's more of a, if you practice at this, I think it is one of the easiest ways, one of the shortest time spans that you can get, like that you can take to get to Mm -hmm. a very, very profitable place. Mm. Got it. So right in the beginning, you would first sort of reassure them that yes, it's possible. So since someone who is just sort of scrolling through the answer, they're like, okay, this seems to be something that I might be interested in because clearly this guy seems to think that it's possible. Then you go into sort of describing your own examples, maybe sharing a little bit of the how. And then in the the cultivating interest, like how would you differentiate between nurturing interest and cultivating interest? Hmm, interesting question. Um, when I think about these answers that I'm writing here, you know, I'm I'm going from the attention part. I'm I'm kind of I state that I think that it is easy enough to do and that most people can handle it. And then I kind of go on to explain what I mean by that. And then I jump into the how-to after that. Does that really make sense? I don't really, I don't know that I break it down quite that far. Like mm-hmm. I said, this is a very much a trial and error thing. And when I go to write a question, I never expect that it's going to be very, very good on the first run. Yeah. Does that make sense? No. I, 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 I tend to, especially after the first run, come back to an answer and look at a lot of the stuff I wrote and think, what was I thinking? That doesn't really read right at all. And I fix it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, writing. I mean, of course, you have to be a good writer. But I think what, what struck me about your answers, and maybe this is specific to things like, you know, drop shipping or the, how do I start something? Like all of these questions, which are more more about like, you know, how do I do something? I think the more specific you can get with advice, the more helpful it is. So th- mm-hmm. that doesn't probably describe the structure of the answer. I do agree that having a very 
good beginning is super helpful otherwise someone won't even click on the question or click on your answer uh but i think what i really liked about your answers is that you really go into a lot of specifics so it's almost sure. like yes you know if if i read this and if i apply myself and try and do all of these things at least i know how to get started right as opposed to like just someone saying that you know like a very wishy washy sort of thing so that absolutely not me i i do i i appreciate uh your compliments there and i i do i will say i do kind of struggle with uh, um how far into specific should you go and how long should the answer end up being um different people have different attention spans and um, I think 600 words from what I've heard is a very good length of an article just to kind of get someone interested, but I tend to go a lot longer. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends what you are, what you are trying to get the audience to do, where you're trying to take them. Um, you know, I have, you're going to be linking to a podcast. I link to my, um, I link to my website to learn more. And so, uh, you do have to leave something to be desired. And I also think if you go into too many specifics in the beginning, then, um, pe- some people lose interest. Um, interesting. That's a good point. Yeah. You don't want to get boring, right? You're going into all the minutiae, but, uh, like, I, I think that it's an interesting debate though, because I know you're a follower of the Tim Ferriss podcast and I think he talks about this. His episodes also tend to be very long, uh, you yep. know, more than your typical podcast about an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, three hours. But the reason I think he has so many followers is because if you are willing to spend the time and listen to it, it's very helpful and actionable advice, right? So as opposed to like just getting some inspiration from somewhere and that makes a lot of difference. Absolutely. And, you know, I certainly love that podcast and the long form content is, is something that I enjoy a lot. And obviously his listeners enjoy a lot, but it doesn't work for everyone. Not everyone wants to listen to two or three hour long podcasts. And that's, that's just the way it is. So, um, I think you do have to find a balance and uh, perhaps you could try the long form and you can try the short form and see what works better for you. Um, kind of AB test. Right, right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you should definitely test out if you if you're writing answers in a particular genre, like dropshipping in your case, maybe your audience has certain kind of tastes and you can try out what kind of thing works. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Something that kind of bothers me is the tests like the, the the statistics never really work out to where you can completely test or completely trust the results of the test because um, just little things like uh, does the 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 question target the same audiences like the topics under the question might all be big and they might all be related but one question might be under a certain few and the other under another certain few and the audiences can actually vary quite uh, a lot and so i've seen you know even on the same number of views under very similar topics one question you know same content of the answer uh one answer getting a lot more click-throughs to a website than the other and i i think that that really just comes down to the audience that's reading it uh, agreed. Yeah, I've seen that myself. And it, so that's where, you know, that whole thing about picking up the right question is, uh, I think, very, very relevant. It's true that sometimes your answer doesn't really matter. The same answer gets very different results in under different questions. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is super helpful, Zach. Is there anything else that you think about? Actually, how... How important has Scora been in just you building up your your presence in dropshipping and driving people to your blog? Well, so blog to job has been a very, very successful online business for me um, compared to the past. Like it, it got up and going a lot faster than I'm used to. And um, 
Tour is the only place that I bring people from. It's the only place that I find my audience thus far. I'm still testing the content. I'm still running through trying to find out what the best way to write things is to resonate with the audience. And so I haven't taken this elsewhere. But, you know, the interesting thing is you write this this uh, content on Cure, the questions make great prompts mm-hmm. to kind of get your the juices flowing and come up with something really great. And then you can take that content and repurpose it as articles on your blog and repurpose it across Medium and Reddit and all sorts of different content hubs across the internet. And that's something that I haven't done yet. I haven't rushed to do. Um, I'm very comfortable right now. Um, yeah. So, but that's a good point, right? Like you, when you're creating so much content, you can reproduce it in different places. But one thing which I struggle with at times is, so let's say you write a really good answer on Quora. Would you then take that answer and then create a separate post on Medium? So like, does the same content get replicated in different... I guess what I'm trying to get at is, are you always trying to get people to one place, which is your blog? Or are you okay with your content being replicated across multiple sites? I'm okay with replicating it across multiple sites, but the ultimate goal is always to bring them back to my blog because that's where I, I make my money and that's where I engage people um, the best. So then in your content, you would place a lot of links to your blog, of course, without sort of being too invasive. Yeah, and the, the idea is not to spam people with links, but only to link things that make the experience of reading your answer better. So right. supplementary content. The, you know, when you were asking me about how specific should you get in the answer, it's kind of like um, I will talk briefly about how you should build a sales page to sell a product on, but I will not go into every detail. I leave that to a, a video tutorial that's on my website, and I link people to that only for the people that would be interested in seeing that part of it. So you can kind of leave the specifics, um, the kind of the cornerstone content uh, for the website. And in your case, Cornerstone content would be the podcast episodes. And you're just trying to get someone interested enough to go to it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. Zach, this is super helpful. Is there anything else that you think we should cover under this topic? Yeah, so I'd say when it comes to using content to market things, um, in my case, I market affiliate products that are a part of a broader um, plan. Uh, something that people go and do and then they need those things uh, to supplement what they're doing. Or if you are promoting your podcast, um, if you're using content to do those things, the content is key. The quality of the content is key and you should always be looking to make that better and better and uh, kind of make your audience more successful or make them more whatever you're trying to get at or what whatever their goals are, um, entertainment, whatever. The content is your product and it's what you should always be trying to improve. And uh, one of the biggest things for me that's helped me create better content, content that resonates with people of all audiences, people that speak English as a second language, people that don't read so well, because I don't know if you've looked at the stats, people in America uh, as a whole tend to read under their grade level. Um, And then even people who are great readers, uh, it's always best to write at a lower, simpler grade level. So mm. I heard something one time that said journalists, if they're not writing at like a fifth or sixth grade, uh, like writing level oh, or reading wow. level, uh, they can be fired. You always want to write <laughs> at a lower grade level. Keep it simple. It reads better for people who read really, really fast and well, and it reads better for people who don't so much. Yeah. No, this this makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're really making me think now that, man, you're right. You know, content is the product in your case and definitely in my case. So making sure that you're always doing the best that you can and it sort of meets whatever bar you've set and helps your audience. That's absolutely critical. 
Yeah, so I've got a little tool for that if you're interested in trying it out. It's called HemingwayApp.com. Oh, yes. I've heard of, have you tried that? I haven't, but I've heard of it. I think Tim Ferriss uses it. I, I listen to that podcast a lot. So Yes, yeah. Yeah, so the great yeah. thing is you don't really have to like go and you know guess these things or um, read through it and like wonder if you're being simple enough or if you're being clear and concise enough, but it will... It will tell you. It'll highlight oh, really? the things that are wrong and show you what's wrong with it. So it's it's H E M I N G W A Y A P P dot com, and it gives an example um, bit of text and shows you what's wrong with it. And then you can delete that text and you can start writing. I will tend to write my answers in this in this Hemingway editor, oh. and it will tell me on the right side what the grade level is and whether it's good or bad or too complex. <laughs> you know, whatever. How many words I've written. And how many of the sentences that I've written are hard to read? How many are very hard to read? How many phrases or what phrases have simpler alternatives and adverbs? Adverbs are something that you can, should generally avoid. Um, oh. The case that they use here is adverbs are helpfully shown in blue. Um, typically, if like you just want to avoid words that end in ly at all costs, they generally don't add value to the content. Oh my god, I should definitely check out this app. That I don't know how they're doing it, but that sounds really, really awesome. Okay, I need to check it out. Yeah, so I mean, that's probably a good place to sort of stage all your content before you post it anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. All right, thanks a ton, Zach. This was incredible. You're really good with giving very helpful, actionable advice. I've said that many times now, uh, but this is very good. Thanks. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, okay. Bye-bye. All right, bye. All right, so that was Zach on how you can be more strategic about answering questions on Quora. I really hope you found today's discussion helpful. And of course, if you have any questions at all for Zach or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com. And of course, if you enjoyed today's discussion as much as I did, you should subscribe to the podcast. Simply search for Learn, Educate, Discover and you'll find us across most of the popular podcast directories such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn and whatever is your directory of choice. And while you're at it, leave us a review. Honestly, honestly, it means a lot. You can tweet at us at LED underscore curator and find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn, educate, discover. And you can check out our website at learn, educate, discover.com where you'll find not only a list of all the past episodes, but a lot of helpful resources and links to resources mentioned by guests on the podcast. So check that out. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.